Welcome to the Luminosity Podcast, episode four. This week, it is just me hosting. Uh, I do have a very special guest on, which we'll get to in a second, um, but Josh is not here this week. Don't worry, though, he will be back on the next episode. So today, I have a guest on. I have Dean from Paranormal Plymouth. Uh, did you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. My name's Dean. I'm from Plymouth Paranormal Tours. I'm the director of the company. Perfect. Um, so I thought we could kind of go into a backstory of like how you kind of got into all the paranormal sort of things. So what was your first paranormal like experience? Christ, now you've asked me something. I would say <laughs> I would say probably around 20 years ago, I was doing security up in Reading at the time. And I mm. worked at a place called the Gillette Manufacturing Centre. And I was out on patrol one evening in one of the old listed buildings. And as I entered the premises, I turned all the lights off. I checked the toilet, checked the office doors, and I proceeded to walk down the corridor where uh, a colleague of mine at the time turned around and radioed through and said, oh, Dean, there's still somebody in the building. We've just seen him on CCTV. I said, well, you, you couldn't have. I said, because I've just been up there and checked the offices. I've checked the toilet. There's nobody there. So he swore blind, and I thought, being a youngster, I was only in my twenties at the time. I thought he's he's probably pulling my leg, to be honest with you. Yeah. So anyway, I, I carried on doing my patrol, left the building, patrolled a couple of other buildings, and then when I went back to the gatehouse at the time, he said, "Look," he said, "Here's the CCTV footage," and as he reviewed the CCTV footage, you could see me checking the office doors, checking the toilet door, proceeding to walk down the corridor. And it looked like somebody walked through the office door straight into the bathroom and it was just clear as day. It was just a, a human form. There was no transparency to it or anything like that. It was just a case of just looked like a normal person. And I would say that was the, the, the very first experience in that building to be up at the time, to be honest with you. Yeah. So did you ever look more into that? Um, because you said they were like in the form of like a human. Obviously, we all sort of think of ghosts as being like transparent. And the fact that it was picked up on CCTV as well, um, I think it's pretty unheard of from what I know with like paranormal investigations. Um, or did you just kind of like leave it and then move on from it? At the time, I was inquisitive. Um I started looking through CCTV footage every evening when I came on shift and when I left shift in the mornings, I would check the CCTV footage. Never found anything ever again. But I was intrigued at the time and, you know, when I walked into the building of a night time, that was always in the back of my mind, but I just carried on doing my work and that was the only experience really. And, you know, I sort of left it at, at that. Yeah. Um, so what would you say was the experience that made you decide to start investigating um, and start up um, Paranormal Plymouth? Um, was there like one experience in particular or was it just like a string of events that kind of led you to that? Um, over the years, I've always been interested in the paranormal. I've had paranormal experiences, including at Derriford Hospital um, when I did security. We actually seen uh, a male in one of the corridors one evening, myself and a colleague, and when we went to investigate, there was nobody there. 
and mm-hmm. I sort of started going to places like Lidford Castle, Oakhampton Castle, any places I could get into really at the time that were free and obviously not out of bounds. And then after that, um, I'll never forget, it came about my cousin went to Bodmin Jail to one of their paranormal investigation tours, and that was with uh, Carsten Honey. And he was doing the Ouija board, and it kept on spelling out same name, same name. So when Carsten asked the question, who are you Who are you regarding to? That the planchette on the Ouija board at the time pointed to my cousin. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, my cousin turned around. He said, no, he said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. So she said, can you spell out the name? And it spelled out spelt out my cousin's last name and when they looked through the records uh, a woman by the name of Alice Alice Warren was hung for killing her bastard of a son at Bob right. Jail so my cousin came back spoke to my uncle my uncle said no he said you're better off asking your other uncle he deals with all the family history so when he approached my other uncle cut a long story short they checked the uh, family tree at the time mm-hmm. and on the family tree it was Alice Warren and that got me really intrigued and then I started going to Bobman Jail myself and I've, I've been around 12, 13 times now yeah. trying to obviously chase that up see if we can get any experiences and so on so it's it's been an eye opener and that's what really intrigued me the most yeah that is crazy um, and the fact that you could date it back and prove it as well yeah. through like the family tree. Um, what would you say your most crazy experience at Bodmin Jail has been? Like, is there one that particularly stands out for you? I know we went to Bodmin Jail together as well, um, which was pretty crazy for me. Um, I would say when we did the experiment Transfiguration. Basically, okay. I, was, I was stood in the corridor in the admin block at the time, which was supposed to have been one of the most haunted parts of Bodmin Jail. And not only could Kirsten Honey, the, the events manager at the time, but also around 15 members of the public witnessed a shadow crawl along the floor behind me, up my back. And I, and I, and I could feel it on my left-hand side, but I didn't say anything. So I just yeah. said to people outright, I said, can you tell me which side it's on? And they said, it's on your left. And that sort of put the nail in the coffin for me. That was a case of, you know, should I be there? Should I be doing this? And then Kirsten came up to me uh, and turned around and said, Dean, we need to take you outside of the room. I don't want you to go back in there for the rest of the night. Yeah. So that sort of, um, that, I don't know. It's hard to explain. That sort of freaked me out. But at the same time, it intrigued me more. Yeah, and I know what you I mean. Started, that's when I started contemplating on providing my own events and giving people the same experiences that I've had, but also in turn, giving myself more clarification that there is life after death. Yeah. So is that kind of what it is for you, is like proving mainly to yourself, but now also bringing people into it, that there is something out there? Yeah, of course. You, you know, it's one of those things. 
you can see things and, and you can experience things. And when you go to tell other people, they turn and say, no, you know, you're pulling all lag. Because I used to be exactly the same. And it's only now that I've experienced these things myself, I want others to experience it and to feel exactly the same as I feel. Yeah. So it's sort of clarification, really, that not only am I experiencing these things, but if I take a group of people, the majority of those group are also experiencing it. Yeah. Um, so earlier you mentioned a transfiguration. Some of our listeners might not know what that is or what the kind of like other techniques there are in an investigation. Did you want to kind of go into a bit of detail about um, what a transfiguration is? And then um, you've got like the light grid and just go into a little bit about that. Yeah, that's fine. So basically transfiguration is, is where you stand in the dark. It's a, a low lit area and you stand in front of a group of people and those people will focus their attention solely on you. They'll just stare and stare and stare. And eventually the principle is, is that spirits will use your body to show yourself to, to the rest of the people that's looking at you. So, you know, you can get shorter, you could get wider, you could get taller, you could lose an arm, a leg, your hair could change. You could change direction of where you stood. It, it's quite freaky stuff. It's it's hard to explain really without actually carrying like it out. Doing it, yeah. Yeah. But um, obviously, that's one of the methods we use. We also use the Estes method, which is a, another form of communication. So we'll use a spirit box, which is a, an FM radio or an AM radio, and it sweeps at one fifth of a second. So the principle behind it is, is you'll ask a question. And over, say, five or ten sweeps, you should be able to get a response. However, now what we do with the Estes method is we also blindfold you and we put noise cancellation headphones on to deprive you of your senses. Yeah. So when we so when we ask a question, say for instance, if I was telling them, I said, Oh, Alice, are you there? If it was to turn and say, I'm here. The possibilities of that actually happening with the person not hearing us is highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. So, obviously, that's why we defraud their senses. So, yeah. when we ask these questions, they got no idea. So, we should be getting valid responses to the valid questions. Mm. Um, so I know we. Oh, sorry. Um, we did that when I came down for an investigation at Bodmin Jail with you. And um, I had never done anything like it before. And there was a guy that had the headphones on before me and loads came through for him. And then I put the headphones on in the blindfold and the first like couple seconds help came through and then nothing after that, um, which was pretty crazy. Um, it is a really weird sensation being sat there like in a cell um, because it was Bobman Jail with like a blindfold on and like help coming through. But yeah. It is one of those things, obviously, you know, for some people it might work, for some people it doesn't. It's like the whole paranormal scene. You know, you could you could chase a lifetime and nothing could happen to yourself, whereas the person next to you, everything could happen to those, or the next two or three people next to you, they could all experience the same thing. I think you need to be in that tune. You need to be in tune at the time. Yeah. And... Also, you, you do need to go open-minded. You know, I'll never forget when I first started out, I went to all these so-called haunted locations that were 
profound for paranormal activity and I experienced nothing but I was there with all the hype thinking oh I'm going to see this I'm going to hear that I'm going to smell this and you know and so on and so on whereas it doesn't always like work like that you need to go with an open mind yeah I think you need to also go in though with no expectations because if you put too much pressure on it then I just think it's not going to kind of live up to those. Obviously, sometimes it could. Crazy things could happen. Um, I had a paranormal experience recently where I'd gone up to Barator at night and I just felt like a scratch on my back and I was just sat in the car. There was nothing there that could have done it. And I've got a photo of it, which is probably the most paranormal experience I've had. Um, have you had many experiences with like entities, like actually physically marking you, touching you? anything like that i can remember i did get scratched on the back of the neck one evening at bobman jail i was there with my colleague paul at the time and we were carrying out activity on the ouija board mm-hmm. and i felt this burning sensation on the back of my neck i didn't think anything of it and then i could feel after a couple of minutes i could feel that there was raised welts on the on the back of my neck, so I turned turned the torch on and said, "Oh, can you have a quick look?" And there were there were three marks there, and um, that was that was quite crazy. It was quite scary at the time to think that, you know, yeah. not only can we see these things and we can hear these things, but the probability is is that they could actually harm you if if, if they wanted to. Yeah, you know, if they if they can cause scratches, they I'm sure they could cause a lot more. It's like a, another colleague of mine. He was at Bobman Jail. We were down in the basement. Um, we were locked in. And myself and two other colleagues and one of the tour guides that was there with Kirsten, we all witnessed a hand just literally slap a friend across the face and it came from nowhere. I mean, we were, no, one, no one was stood near him. And that was quite scary. Yeah, I can imagine that is quite terrifying to see happen as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen or experienced anything like that before. Um, earlier, you mentioned off camera about the different sort of kinds of like spirits as like demons or just bad. Um, I think you said spirits, I'm not quite sure, but what is the actual difference? What kind of types of like demonic energy is there that could come through? I've never really dealt with demonic energy. Um, I know it exists. I've heard other people's accounts of demons coming through Ouija boards and, you know, demonic possession and so on. I I would say personally, when, when I go to these events and when I do a paranormal investigation, I only ask, kind-hearted spirits to come through some yeah. people would turn around and say are there any spirits or entities there now mm-hmm. an entity is not a lost soul an entity could be anything from the demonic realm it might not necessarily be good so okay. i always steer clear I, I tried to turn around and obviously ask if there's any you know light-hearted energies there if there's any energies that want to communicate and so on I tried to steer clear from the demonic side because yeah. obviously unless you study demonology, it's one of those 
one of those areas that that is quite grey. You don't really want to be going there and dabbling with things that you shouldn't be. So, yeah. Um, with Ouija boards, though, I always thought that because anything can come through. So, do you not get a lot of like sort of negative entities come through on Ouija boards? Have you personally used Ouija boards a lot with investigations? I've used Ouija boards on quite a few occasions. I'm pretty open-minded. Um, I'm quite sceptical when it comes to Ouija board and so on. And I've recently done a small study on Ouija boards. Okay. And unfortunately, from a scientific point of view, they don't actually work. It's mm -hmm. people's subconscious minds. Now, I, I know, obviously, I use Ouija boards at my event. Yeah. Um, but my own personal view is it's, it's your subconscious mind. And basically, you'll go to these events. It's like anything. If you go and see a clairvoyant or a medium, you're expecting a loved one to come through 90% of the time. So if I was to turn around and say to you, Megan, I'm doing a paranormal investigation on Saturday. Would you like mm -hmm. to come along? I'm going to be using a Ouija board. The, ch the chances are that you could possibly turn around and think, yeah, I'm going to do the Ouija board. I hope so-and-so comes through. And yeah. you'll think about that. And then subconsciously say, I don't know, tomorrow or Friday, you'll forget all about it. But in the back of your mind, it's there to put the, the seeds planted. Yeah. So when you go to this event, that seed's already planted in your mind. And you'll have two or three of you all thinking the same thing, thinking about a loved one, and you'll, you'll commence the Ouija board. And it's normally the dominant person that will move the planchette. Yeah. You're not moving it on purpose. You're subconsciously moving it. So you might think at the time, oh, Christ, it, it's moving, it's moving, it's, it's spelling out so-and-so. <laughs> But the chances are is you're actually physically moving that. Yeah. And that's that's my own that's my own thoughts and feelings on the Ouija board. You know, there are people out there that are spiritual minded that have turned around and said, Oh, you know, it's it's a, a form of communication. Whereas I think it's a gimmick. That's yeah. my own personal opinion. No, I do agree with you there. I've always been very sceptical of Ouija boards and I lived in a household where I was always told not to use one, so I never have. Um, but I've always kind of thought you have to, someone on like doing it has to actually be pushing the panchette around because um, it just doesn't make sense. But I'd say I am open-minded to kind of like the paranormal world. But yeah, Ouija boards just don't particularly make sense to me. Um, but anyway... So since you are into kind of all the paranormal stuff, this is quite a deep question. Um, but what do you actually think happens when we die? Do you think like our soul is what becomes like the paranormal? Like what do you, what's your take on it all? This is the same question that I asked myself just a couple of days ago and I actually put up <laughs> my Facebook group. Um, we all think is there life after death? Mm -hmm. sometimes I think do we do we leave an imprint on the earth so 
is there something significant that we do, I would say 90% of the time, every single day. And then when you pass away, that electronic impulse creates a, like a negative image on the world. So therefore you, you turn around and you just repeat over and over and over the same thing you did 90% of the time every single day. That there are intellectual spirits in this world, you know, because all these paranormal investigators, they they get intelligence response. Mm -hmm. When they carry out like the Estes method, the Ouija boards, you know, the spirit boxes and so on. It's it's hard to explain. My personal feelings and thoughts are that we we leave an imprint. Yeah. And you know, it just be it just it's just a matter of time before that imprint becomes sort of intellectual to to a certain extent. So when you do do say like the Estes method at a location, you might pick up a voice or you know, if you do an EVP session, you might pick up a voice, but is it just an echo from the from the past that's been imprinted? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think as well, I guess with the experiences that you have through investigations, it kind of changes throughout time what you think happens. Um, yeah. I guess for me, I also kind of think the same. Like I think, say there was like a car crash that ha happened somewhere that sort of location there's like a pocket of energy there where it's like frozen in time and that yeah. negativity is like there um but it is a question that I always keeps me up at night I do wonder what happens I think most people do um I think we yeah. all do to a certain extent you know we all like to think there's something after death mm. but is it a case of just that that are our brain stops producing electric magnetic impulses. Do our hearts just stop? Do we just go stone cold and that's it? You're gone, or do we leave an imprint? Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to think we do. Um, I mean, like I'm not a scientist, but um, energy can't be created or destroyed, and we are essentially pockets of energy. So it has to go somewhere. It's just where mm -hmm. does it go? I guess. Um, so with that, do you kind of believe? in like a heaven and hell or not at all I, I know it's a difficult question it is a difficult question because if i say i don't then i don't believe in demons mm. demons come from hell but do they is that just kind of what we have always been told through religion to believe. I, I think through a biblical sense, yeah, of course it, it it's what we were led to believe. Um, with regards to heaven, there's been accounts of people all the time that have come back from the afterlife after being pronounced dead for 10, 15 minutes even at a time. Um, there was a book written quite a few years back about a little lad and I'm not sure of the name of the book. Was it 15 Minutes in Heaven? Something like that. I'm not quite sure, so don't quote me on that one. That's but all right. This, this little lad, he, um, he passed away, and he was gone for 10, 15 minutes. And when he came around, he explained about lights and family members and family members that he'd never even seen because they'd passed before he, he was even born or you know they'd passed just after he was born. And it did get me thinking, you know, is there 
is there a heaven? Is there a hell? But then saying that, you know, what about all these bad people in the world? Where do they yeah. go? Yeah, it is one of those, it, there's endless sort of answers to these kind of questions. Um, you mentioning about that book, I saw something that was on a TV programme once about um a child that he must have been about like four or maybe younger and he'd um shown his parents where his previous body was buried because he was murdered. Reincarnation. Yeah, so there's a lot of like stuff surrounding that as well. Um. I just find it also interesting. Um, but moving on from that, would you say Bodmin Jail's like the most paranormal place you've ever been to? What's like, because you've been to so many different locations, what is the craziest location you've ever been to <coughs> paranormal Excuse activity? Um, it's a hard one because obviously we do a lot of private investigations, just myself and my colleagues. And obviously as, as yourself and, have came along in the past we've, we've been to holy trinity a few times um last week we went to oakhampton castle with, and that was pretty eerie after dark um we, we didn't really see anything it was just a case of feelings of fear and you, you know as if she was constantly being watched um bob yeah. and jail believe it or not i feel pretty at home if i'm totally honest that's kind of how I felt when we went. I didn't, like, when we first walked around, because um, it was me, Josh, and, like, the team with you, Yeah. Um, I felt so much energy. And then as soon as I'd done, was it the EMF reader with the headphones? Is that what it's called? Yes, it's method. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Um. After that, I just felt nothing. It was so strange. Um. But at Holy Trinity, I constantly felt like I was being watched. And um, I remember you telling me the story about the, was it a headless baby you saw over a grave? Oh, yeah, that was at the far end. Is it as mm. if she was going down towards the steps? Yeah. Um, and the steps, like, down in that tunnel itself, that was crazy. <laughs> um, that's... I honestly think about that most nights. Um, it literally gives me chills because again, like you were saying, like it was just a feeling, like such an overwhelming feeling. Um, I mean, as our listeners know, Josh is more of the spiritual one than I am. I'm open to it, but I wouldn't say I'm particularly intuitive. But that night, it definitely all sort of came to the surface. Um, so yeah, have you had any other crazy experiences at Holy Trinity? Um, there's been a few occasions actually over the the last couple of years when I've been because obviously it's uh, pretty close, so we do yeah. tend to go there quite a lot. I mean, we tend to practice our uh, different methods of communication. There's been certain nights where I've gone there and I've stayed there probably twenty minutes and just felt absolute dread and fear to the point. I wouldn't even look over my shoulder, to be honest with you. And there was two of us bearing in mind, obviously, I'm a grown man. Um, yeah. I did security for 20 years. But there's been certain occasions where I've just literally wanted to run and just mm. get out of the place. Um, there's been other occasions where we've turned up and there seem to be other paranormal teams there. Mm -hmm. and what they were practicing at the time didn't seem very ethical towards the paranormal world it seemed uh, quite dark to be honest with you and I think Josh was there 
yeah that was the night that I was there I think as well because um it was in sort of the the, like big open area is it like um ruins of like the church yeah and there was like a little kind of like a separate room and they were all in there with like dolls and things and one by one they were going up to like the yeah you was there that yeah yeah that was the night as well because I kind of thought when we were down in the tunnel, all of the things that I was feeling, because at one point I thought I saw a noose hanging from a tree um, and I didn't know any of the history or anything before we went. Um, I definitely think the other group that was there were kind of conjuring up something a lot more, I would say demonic, definitely negative. Um, Because we sort of approached them um, or someone else that we were with at the time did just to be friendly and like see what they were doing and they shut it down very quickly and that's when I kind of felt like we needed to leave um but yeah I find it such a fascinating place because it has a history of um is it satanism I could be wrong yeah originally it it was burnt down in the 90s by a satanic group and obviously it's been in disrepair ever since it's not been in in use i don't think they used to ring bells on sunday evening but they don't do that anymore um but yeah it's it's been documented that they have uh, demonic devil worshippers there at, at various times throughout the day and the evening yeah i think they still do um it is definitely an interesting place and if you live in the southwest i would definitely recommend going um but yeah so moving on from that what are your plans for the future with um paranormal is it paranormal plymouth i keep saying that i don't know plymouth if it paranormal is paranormal tours. i knew i was getting it the wrong way round. plymouth paranormal tours what's your kind of plans for the future with that we're open to expand into further areas uh, throughout the year there's quite a few locations that we've been in email contact with uh recently which are all around the top end of Devon and down in Cornwall. Um, there is the odd one or two places that we've turned around and we've emailed, which are further up country. Um, one of them being the Ancient Ram Inn, which is supposed to be a 900-year-old most haunted pub in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just trying to find out now the logistics of it all and um, take it from there, really. But obviously, we are trying to expand to, to different areas now and obviously we, we've started producing Ouija boards and the um, Ouija boards and the old uh, thousand rods and things like that yeah so we are trying to ex- expand into different areas I think you'll do really well to be honest um, as someone that's been to one of your sort of investigations um, yeah I think you'll get loads of people come along and again if you are in the southwest definitely check them out um last thing do you have any advice for anyone that wants to get into sort of the paranormal world start doing investigations just any advice about it all really i would say research the area that you're going to go into um that's the number one priority so you you do know what sort of histories happened within that location always go with an open mind don't expect anything you know, expect everything, expect it all different things all at the same time. So, you know, it's a case of you'll go there, you'll either have a good night or not so good night. I would say most of the time, these people that are getting into paranormal investigations, 
you know, we all go searching for things. However, it doesn't always happen, but you could get that one minute thing that could happen throughout the whole of the evening. It's like we did a, a an old cemetery down in Camborne recently, and we were there for a, probably a good three or four hours, and we got literally no activity all night. And then just before we left, we did an EVP session, which is electronic voice phenomenon. So it's a basically a dictaphone session. We'll we'll record on a dictaphone, ask a question, wait ten seconds for a response, and then ask another question. And one of the questions I asked was, "Is are you here? Can you see me?" Mm-hmm. And we didn't obviously hear anything at the time, so went back to the car, replayed all the audio, and that exact question I got the response from. Uh, I would say a female child mm-hmm. saying, I'm here as clear as day. Oh and my that gosh. made our night. Yeah. And you so didn't realize until you left. No, it's just the simplest thing. So, you, you know, you might get home and check through footage. You might find something, you might not. But you, you won't always necessarily see it with the naked eye or hear it with your own ears. You know, it's just a case of, it could be when you get home that you have that experience where you take your top off and you think, oh, I've got a scratch there. That went there earlier and so on. And, and that's how it, that's how it is, really. You know, each investigation is totally different. Each location is different. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you, Dean, for coming on to our You're podcast. Um, it's been so interesting, and I honestly could sit and listen to all of your different stories about all your investigations all day. Um, I love it, and I'm sure in the future I'll be coming on more um, investigations with you because I want to get into it more, and then I'll have more stories for the podcast as well. So Definitely. Dean might You're come back on <laughs> to talk about crazy experiences that we experienced together. Um, but yeah thank you for listening to episode four of the luminosity podcast with our special guest plymouth paranormal tours dean we will see you next week for another episode love and light the luminosity team